Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Israel and Iran do not have a common land border, which means that a sudden, massive invasion by ground forces against each other's territory is impossible. But on all other dimensions of their hostility and countries adjacent to Israel or deep inside Iran, on the high seas and in the invisible worlds of cyber and intelligence, there is constant activity. Among the latest developments, an attack in the Gulf of Oman on a ship owned by an Israeli businessman and a strike against Iranian targets in Syria. Do these actions portend further escalation and are they independent of the diplomatic maneuvers in the relationship between the Biden administration and the Khamenei regime? To analyze this topic, we're joined from central Israel by Brigadier General in Reserve Yossi Kupilvasil, who is a project director on Middle East developments at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Also joining us from the United Kingdom is Colonel Richard Kemp, who is a former British infantry commander and head of international terrorism intelligence team at the British Cabinet Office. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to join you again and also to be present on this show with General Kupavasa. Indeed. With us here in the studio is our TV7 analyst, Mr. Amir Oren, as well as the co-host uh, or the host of uh, TV7's Watchmen Talk. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments pertaining to this specific topic. Well, the main story um, having to do with Iran right now is not the Israeli one. It's the American-Iranian story. And uh, you may say that the Iranian-Israeli uh, story is a subplot of it. Of course, Israel uh, sees Iran as an existential threat if it uh, makes good on uh, what Israelis fear is its intent uh, to have uh, nuclear weapons uh, down the line. But uh, right now, uh, Israel is both waiting for the Biden administration to lay out a clear policy vis-a-vis Iran and to have its input, Israeli input, into whatever diplomacy it is going um, uh, to implement if it, go, if it is going to uh, negotiate or renegotiate um, with the Khamenei regime. But while Israel is on the uh, sidelines, uh, it does have its friction with Iran, and you mentioned uh, several instances. Now, the attack on the um, uh, ship, on the motor vehicle uh, bearing uh, ship in the Gulf of Oman, has been assessed as uh, coming from Iran, probably by mines, originally thought that it was rockets by the naval arm of the uh, Revolutionary Guards. Then um, a more accurate assessment is that it is probably mines. The Iranians have denied, have officially denied um, their responsibility. One one may uh, question the veracity of uh, this denial, but uh, apparently right now they don't want to appear as being behind it, while at the same time indicating that they can do that and uh, much more. Israel um, keeps striking Iranian and pro-Iranian targets in Syria and on the Syrian-Iraqi border, and it seems that this is the order of the day, at least until we will find out how the Biden 
Khamenei relationship is uh, unfolding. Indeed, and uh, most of the confrontation at this stage is, of course, uh, uh, in the shadow world of the clandestine operations. Therefore, we have two intelligence uh, officers or former intelligence officials from uh, both Israel and the UK. I'd like to start with uh, you, General Kupelvassel. To what degree is a war currently ongoing between Israel and Iran behind the scenes, uh, away from the, the lenses of the cameras? Well, it's, uh, I think uh, what we are witnessing is uh, an effort by the Iranians to uh, convince the Americans to rejoin the JCPOA of 2015. And they try to achieve this uh, goal by doing two things simultaneously. First, make progress on their uh, nuclear project so that uh, the Americans will be afraid that if uh, they don't go back to the 2015 agreement, then Iran might uh, get very close to having the capability to produce a nuclear weapon uh, by, uh, without the agreement. And the second thing is to show the Americans that uh, if they don't join the 2015 agreement, uh, their friends are going to pay a price as well. And uh, it's not only Israel. We see what's happening in Saudi Arabia in the last couple of days with the intensified attacks by the Houthis uh, supported by Iran against uh, civilian and other targets in uh, Saudi Arabia. So this is a message less directed to Israel, but more directed to the United States that it should rejoin the two, uh, 2015 agreement. That's what's happening. Of course, Israel is also uh, affected by other elements of the uh, Iranian uh, effort, uh, which is what they do with Hezbollah, the, the ongoing effort to supply Hezbollah with uh, precisely guided munition. And uh, this is something that uh, Israel is working very hard to prevent. And what we are seeing in Syria is that uh, Israel retaliates for the activities of uh, the Iranians against Israel uh, and uh, to activities of Hezbollah against Israel. We saw uh, about a month, exactly a month ago, the launching of an anti-aircraft missile by the Hezbollahs against an Israeli uh, unmanned air vehicle. And uh, all of that uh, uh, is the reason for which Israel conducts more uh, and more decisive, I would say, uh, air attacks in, uh, in Syria against Iranian targets. So this is an ongoing escalation uh, that is initiated by the Iranians. And uh, I think uh, it may continue for quite a while now until the Americans, as Samir said, make up their minds what they are actually going to do about it. Colonel Kemp, I'd like to hear your uh, review of the current uh, state of affairs, but also from uh, a UK perspective, considering the fact that uh, London is part of the P5, uh, uh, which is, of course, uh, the P5 plus one, uh, which uh, uh, ultimately uh, uh, formulated the 2015 nuclear agreement, uh, commonly referred to as the JCPOA or the uh, uh, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Uh, do you see... Uh, the the UK government and and its uh, E2 partners, uh, France and Germany, concerned uh, in light of the latest developments with regard to uh, the the latest developments. Yeah, I mean, firstly, I, I'd agree with what General Kupavasa says about the the general state of uh, conflict between the US, Iran, Israel, Saudi Arabia, and other countries. We also shouldn't forget as well in this equation that not only has Iran been targeting uh, apparently an Israeli ship in the Gulf of Oman and also the Saudis through their Houthi proxies and of course Israel through their proxies in Syria but um, 
they've also been directly or indirectly targeting the Americans, carrying out missile strikes using their proxies in Iraq. And I think that's uh, another, yet another one of these messages to the Americans. Uh, while on the one hand, the Iranians are saying openly and, uh, you know, in the last few days are saying we don't believe we should be going um, back into negotiations with the Americans unless they uh, lift sanctions, unless they show an intention to do that. The reality is, I think the Iranians are absolutely desperate to get back into that deal, to have sanctions released. Um, and they're playing probably, a, I would argue, a slightly more intelligent game than the Americans because they, they recognize they, they recognize that the Americans are susceptible to the kind of pressure that they're currently piling on. Whereas the wise move from the Americans, I think, at this point would be to absolutely reject and distance themselves from any idea of going back into the JCPOA. Whether they want to or not is another question, but the message to Iran should be very firmly, until you um, desist from these, uh, your, your, your continued announcements as well as reality about working on the nuclear program and your regional aggression, we're not going to go anywhere with you. And I think that would be a much more effective message. As far as Europe is concerned, um, of course, there are very deep concerns among European countries, including the UK, France, Germany, over the, um, the Iranian pushing and pushing of the, 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 the no longer restraints under the JCPOA. There's great concern about that. I think European governments, and I include in that Britain, will be very much looking towards America to take a lead on it. And they will follow, I think, whatever lead America takes, rightly or wrongly. And even if, you know, the US um, go back to the JCPOA and go back to the negotiating table and come up with a similar uh, solution to the, the very flawed Obama solution, I think, you know, European countries will go along with that despite their reservations. And they don't, don't forget also, they had many reservations, uh, particularly France, but also the UK had many reservations about the original JCPOA uh, and what that meant, but they were willing to go along with President Obama's uh, agenda, as I think they will also with whatever agenda President Biden eventually comes up with. Interesting. So, uh, Mr. Oren, it seems like from uh, this assessment that uh, everything that we see, whether it's on the ground, behind the scenes, or uh, in the, the discussions or rhetoric uh, uh, on the media screens, it's all part and parcel of whether those negotiations between Iran and the United States would ultimately bring about a, uh, uh, a return into compliance, if you will, of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the 2015 nuclear agreement under uh, the Obama administration um, that was formulated. Uh, basically, they, they spoke about it's better to have some sort of deal or a bad deal than no deal at the time. Uh, now, several years later, and it seems that uh, this position has been maintained by the same people who formulated that deal in the first place who returned into office now. How do we see this uh, develop from here? And are we expected to see some shift on the ground? We hear, of course, IAEA Director General uh, Mariano Grossi during the uh, Rafael Mariano Grossi speak about uh, in, at the Board of uh, Governors meeting earlier this week about uh, the fact that uh, uh, the agency has been utilized by both uh, uh, Iran, he didn't mention necessarily Iran, but Iran and the United States for the sake of negotiations, uh, urging all parties to refrain from doing so. But are we going to see 
more of that sort of uh, actions on the ground? Yes, of course. The um, 2015 deal had uh, two levels, the uh, technical and the political. Obviously, um, uh, the Iranians had to comply with some technical provisions in order to get sanctions relief and other uh, benefits, other financial benefits. And uh, on the American side, you had uh, not only the Secretary of State, Kerry, but also the Secretary of Energy, Muniz, participate in the uh, uh, discussions. And um, this, is, uh, this also applies to the IAEA because the Iranians um, have been a party to the uh, non-proliferation treaty. This uh, uh, has almost nothing to do with the uh, deal itself. Uh, they had obligations uh, which uh, they had to uh, comply with. And um, as we know from the 1990s on, there is the so-called additional protocol because uh, Iraq and uh, North Korea were found uh, to have uh, bypassed the original uh, NPT obligations. This additional protocol uh, has now been suspended for up to 90 days, or the inspections under the additional uh, protocol. Uh, so this is the, the technical side, which, as you say, the Iranians um, have been trying to advance uh, their position in order to put pressure on the Americans to quickly go back into the deal and admit that the Americans under Trump were responsible for, for breaking uh, uh, the deal. However, President Biden, um, whoever followed his career, uh, knew him as a, as a very curious, very energetic, very uh, centralist sort of decision maker as a senator. Now at 78 years old, he operates in a different fashion. He sits at the top of the heap and lets his staff his Secretary of State, his National Security Advisor, the emissary, Rob Malley, um, do all the staff work and only bring it to his approval if they have uh, any problems, any disagreements. So they are following a very methodical uh, system and we don't know yet what the result will be. We saw it uh, in the uh, Saudi angle of the uh, Jamal Khashoggi murder. Uh, they, there were recommendations by the intelligence officials, by the State Department, but eventually President Biden made his decision. And we don't know yet what will happen here. We do know that uh, the State Department has put a lot of emphasis on the fact that the allies, the Europeans, which you mentioned, are now closer to the American position than they were under President Trump. Now, uh, some 50 years ago, under Nixon and Kissinger, this used to be known as triangulation. If you have the Soviets and the Chinese, you try to work with both of these poles. Here, the Americans are trying to tell the Iranians, the uh, Europeans and us are on the same page now. Indeed, General Kuperwasser, do you see these negotiations uh, via action, uh, if you will, on the negotiations on the ground materialize into uh, direct diplomacy, or is there going to be a cessation of words and uh, uh, we will once again hear uh, a more loud 
um, repercussion of uh, actions taken on the ground. Well, you know, there's, uh, I follow what Amir said, uh, there is a sort of paradox here. The uh, opening conditions in which the Americans approach this issue are better even than those of uh, President uh, Trump. I mean, they have the maximum pressure, but unlike President Trump, they have also the uh, uh, Europeans on their side, which Trump had to fight the Europeans all the time. And, uh, and they have the Arabs and the Israel on, on their side if they decide to put pressure on the Iranians, because uh, uh, neither Israel nor the Arab states are interested in going back to the 2015 deal. So they have a golden opportunity to put pressure on Iran and force it to accept a totally different agreement that will uh, really guarantee that Iran is not going to have the capability to produce nuclear weapons. But uh, the paradox is that while they have all these uh, uh, very good conditions, they are not interested in using them. What the only thing they want to do is to go back to the 2015 uh, flawed agreement with all its uh, holes and uh, deficiencies. And, uh, and for that, you don't need all this uh, support that you get. It's, uh, and the Iranians are taking advantage of this situation. So if you want to go to the 2015 agreement, Okay, do that first. Leave the sanctions. This is uh, in line of the in line with the uh, 2015 agreement, and they have a point there. It's uh, we. I think that it's a, it's a, a really a disastrous mistake mistake not to take advantage of this golden opportunity. Put pressure on the Iranians, as uh, Richard said. This is a, this brinkmanship is is a fake brinkmanship because the Iranians are suffering a lot. They cannot sustain such a situation for a long time. They try to create uh, the image, the, the impression that they can continue with that forever and that they will take the risk of uh, moving towards 60% enrichment and, uh, and so on and so forth. They, they will confront the Americans. So they, they can't do that. They can, for the time being, do that if the Americans allow them to uh, have a policy of tit for tat and uh, some sort of an, uh, a war of attrition. That's, that's something that the Iranians can, can handle for, for a while. But if the Americans clarify, just like they did in the, in the last uh, period of uh, Trump, uh, that uh, such policy would be uh, rewarded with harsh uh, attacks, and the Americans were trying to deliver this message with, with the attack on the uh, Iranian-affiliated uh, militias in, uh, in Abu Kamal, this was a, this was a message. Uh, but it was, it was the, you know, they picked the, the, the softer uh, option out of the, the several options they had. And the Iranians read it. The Americans don't want escalation. And as long as they are afraid of saying that they are ready to, uh, to go through ex escalation if necessary, the Iranians are going to take advantage of that. And that's where we stand right now. Israel, on the other hand, is, uh, is not playing the game. Israel uh, is, is not playing the Iranian game. And it, when, when it has to retaliate, it retaliates. Uh, forcefully and uh, decisively. And this is uh, a totally different approach than, than the American approach. And the Americans have really not made up their mind. That it's, uh, as far as I understand, there's still a debate inside the American administration as to uh, what kind of policy to adopt. And uh, for the time being, they stick to the messages they came in with uh, from the uh, campaign, uh, saying, OK, we are ready to go back to the 2015 uh, agreement and then start negotiating with the, with the Iranians on all kinds of issues after we give up all the leverage we have and uh, lift the sanctions. What, what, what logic is that? It's, uh, if you want to uh, have negotiations with the Iranians, 
you'd better carry also a big stick. But they they prefer to leave the stick at home. That's uh, that's not going to work. And they and they, I don't think that the Iranians are going to enter to any negotiations as fast as, they, as long as they consider the Americans eager to re uh, to re-enter the the 2015 agreement. Indeed, Colonel Kemp. Uh... You spoke about uh, the the European or the E3, the United Kingdom, Germany, and, and France wanting to re-enter the 2015 uh, nuclear agreement together with the Americans, uh, even though officially uh, the E3 never abandoned uh, the JCPOA. Uh, when we look at the current reality on the ground, however, and at, at the same time, we hear also the, the Biden administration repeatedly state its keen interest on multilateral approaches specifically also with regarding to the nuclear agreement with Iran, about joining forces with the European partners, quote-unquote. Uh, do you see uh, the, the British perspective, the German and, and French perspectives, uh, being taken into account in the same manner uh, in this uh, new constellation or this new reality of the state? I think, um, uh, I think the American administration knows pretty, pretty confidently that the Europeans in this on this subject, the Europeans will go along with them, as I mentioned before. I think um, they, they yes, of course, they they will be consulting, um, probably consulting more than they are with their Middle Eastern allies, which is a big mistake, um, as far as the Europeans are concerned. But I don't I don't actually think many European governments um, see this Iranian nuclear threat as a real threat to themselves. They're kind of almost in a state of denial. Where they and, and they don't, you know, I think they also find it hard to um, to, to associate the, the Iranian nuclear program with the Iran with Iran's other uh, regional aggression. The, the Europeans, I think, have two main focuses. One is on their potential for their trade with Iran, which they have been very desperate to get back into, despite President Trump's um, sanctions against Iran, even to the extent of creating a financial vehicle to bypass those sanctions. So I think that's that's one of their priorities. Uh, and the second priority is, as I mentioned, really, is to be alongside the United States of America uh, on, on this particular issue, maybe, maybe not on everything, but on this issue. And they, 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 Britain certainly wanted, I think, to be going along with President Trump as far as his rejection of the JCPOA was concerned. I think they were, all, Britain was also concerned about the JCPOA as he was, mm -hmm. but they daren't do that because it was President Trump and they didn't want to be seen to go against President, by, uh, President Obama's uh, agreement. Of course, in Britain, President Obama is in fact a saint. Um, and now that uh, President Biden appears to be going back to the Obama um, policies on Iran and, and this deal, I think there's no doubt that Britain will remain alongside with that. And I think the same probably applies to the French government. So I think one, one issue that we haven't particularly spoken about very much is Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia is a very important player here. And I think mm. America's decision, the American administration's decision to throw Saudi under the bus, in effect, by, by condemning uh, Saudi over the Khashoggi killing, I think that was a message also in this, in this brinkmanship business. It was a message to Iran. And it was also a very, very unsavory message to Saudi Arabia. And I'm sure that Saudi Arabia, as well as the US, other US allies in the Gulf are deeply, deeply worried about that. And I, I suspect that, if nothing else, that will lead to probably even greater cooperation than we've seen up to now between 
the Saudis, the other Arab countries, and Israel, particularly on this issue. Um, in, in my view, General Kupovas is right when he says that um, the likelihood is that the administration will be keen to get back into the 2015 deal. Uh, and I think they've, they've articulated the idea that from there they could then maybe attempt to achieve a better deal. Well, of course, that's never going to happen. If they go back into the deal, sanctions relieved, so, uh, Iran is, is then relatively happy. There's no way they're going to then allow additional constraints to be placed upon them, whether it be in terms of ballistic missiles, sunset clauses, or regional aggression. So it's a big mistake, I think. And the most sensible policy to be followed, I believe, by all parties concerned on the uh, on our side of this argument is to, uh, to, to, to re reject the idea of going back to the JCPOA, to monitor what Iran's doing, uh, and, and then to take whatever action is necessary, as we've seen from Israel in particular, in their elimination, if, that, if, they, if they're the ones that did it, we, know, we don't know, of the, um, the, the chief nuclear scientist in Iran, as well as other uh, cyber operations against the Iranian um, weapons, uh, pro weapons program. So I think, I think that is the, 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 the reasonable course to follow. Uh, and, 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 of course, maintain maximum pressure. Um, in, in the hope eventually of being able to either either get rid of the regime in Iran today or force it to come to a more reasonable accommodation with the West and with, with uh, countries in the Middle East. Indeed. Well, it is quite surprising to me that the Europeans are not taking this, at least on the political level, seriously, considering the fact that Europe was the one who unveiled the Iranian uh, plot in the first place uh, to try and uncover, uh, to try and, and uh, develop a nuclear weapons program. But, uh, Mr. Ogan, I'd like to, uh, we, we have just a minute and a half left uh, before the end of this program. Are all options on the table at this stage do we see uh, the the various statements coming out from from different directions uh, about the possibility of a, a confrontation? We didn't even speak about the Turkish aspect of things, where Turkey and Iran are uh, seemingly on a course of collision in Iraq. But uh, where are the things at this stage? When a nation um, is fearful of being. Uh eliminated, destroyed altogether, of course, all options are uh, on the table. The problem is the Israeli table and the American table are not uh, in the same room um, right now. Uh, the Americans have been very, very careful not to issue any threat. They, they uh, for the uh, uh, month and uh, a half of Biden being in office, they have never said that uh, if you, the Iranians, do this, we will do that to you. They had struck Kitayab Hezbollah, the pro-Iranian militia uh, on the Syrian-Iraqi uh, border. But this was as a retaliation against uh, something which uh, has no uh, uh, relevance to the nuclear problem. Just uh, one short we comment. Actually, the we the uh, Israelis are having their election and the Iranians are having their election in June. After that, we will know more. Indeed. Well, this is all the time that we have for today, so I'd like to thank Colonel Kemp, General Kupilvasser, as well as Mr. Olin for being part of today's panel. I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.